Live from Las Vegas, it's Cover It with Teddy Covers. Hey, it's Teddy Covers. Ted Simransky here on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Radio Network. Welcome to Cover It with Teddy Covers. On today's show, I'm going to bring in one of my guy I haven't had on since football ended last year. But football's here now. It's going to be Matt Josephs, mid-major Matt, uh, on Twitter. And Matt and I are going to break down college football. We're going to look at some win totals. We're going to look at week zero. We're going to look at week one. And we're going to talk about some general college football betting strategies. And we're also going to talk about some of the season win totals. We're going to talk about conference futures. There's plenty to talk about when it comes to college football right now as we approach week zero which begins today. But to open the show, I want to talk about the NBA. Why am I talking about the NBA here at the end of August? Real simple. We've got virgin lines up for the NBA. The NBA is becoming more and more like the NFL. Bigger and bigger from an international betting standpoint and bigger and bigger from a domestic betting standpoint. And again, you look no further than this. All right, It's August. We just had NBA win totals come out, divisional odds coming out, two months before the season. All right. And yeah, these were virgin numbers earlier this week. Now there are multiple books here in Nevada and across the country that have bettable NBA numbers. And no, I'm not talking about the week one games, although there are numbers out there for Christmas Day games and all of that. The key is season win totals months ahead of time, odds to win the division months ahead of time. And I'm going to give a couple opinions right here in a look. These are absolutely in the opinion status at this stage. But especially when we're talking about, you know, as opinion, opinion status as opposed to, hey, this is something I went and put a big bet on already. You know, this is, we just got to look at the numbers. We're thinking about the numbers. We're talking about the numbers. We're thinking this isn't a time of year where we're putting max folks in the NBA, but we're letting this stuff rattle around in our brains. And I'll tell you what. You know, when you're talking about long shots in the NBA, when it comes to winning a title, never bet a long shot. <laughs> because year in, year out, it's the teams that are supposed to be there, and they get there, and they win. And I know Phoenix made a run this last year. Did Phoenix win the title? They did not. <laughs> Milwaukee won the title. <laughs> and the Bucks were one of the favorites going into the season. So when I'm looking at the long shots in the NBA... All right, the lesser teams. I mean, look, Oklahoma City opened with the lowest win total, 22.5. Orlando at 23.5. Let's say I like one of those teams, neither of which I do, but let's just say I did. I said, oh, boy, you know, this is a year where Orlando is going to be way better than I thought they were going to be. I'm not going to bet Orlando. I'll bet them over 23.5 wins. I'm not going to bet them to win the title. But if you're looking for, or to win the conference even, but when you're looking for long shots that can pay, odds to win divisions. And I'll tell you what, there's some uh, attractive looking early numbers. I'll just put it that way. You know, um, in a very real sense. Look no further than the Atlantic division. All right. Where we have Brooklyn as the clear favorite. Philly as the number two favorite. The Boston Celtics, who A, care about the regular season, B, have a coach that we like, B, have some new blood in town, C, have a couple of superstars, they're sitting at 12-1 to 1 at the Open to win the division, to win the Atlantic division. And again, 
Are the Celtics, they should be favorites? No, they shouldn't be favorites. Are they a long shot? Yeah, they're a long shot. Are they going to win this division more than one every 12 times if you play it out? I think they will. <laughs> I think Boston's a great bet at 12-1 to 1 to win the Atlantic division. And again, you know, with these division win bets, you don't have to win all of them. You win one of them, you're in good shape. Look at the Northwest division, all right, where they're, again, Minnesota and Oklahoma City way back. You know, um, in the Atlantic Division, the Knicks and the Raptors aren't quite as far back as Minnesota and OKC is. You know, Minnesota's 40-1 to 1 to win the division, and the Thunder 100-1 to 1 to win the division. And there's probably dumber bets you can make than Minnesota at 40-1 to, to win that division. All that said, the Jazz are 2-5 to five and the Nuggets are 3-1, to one, and I didn't get that. You know, uh, when you're talking about a Utah Jazz team that, from a season-win standpoint, what are they, three wins better than Denver? It's not like Denver and Utah can't compete. It's not like Utah's way better than Denver. And I'm not convinced Portland's, you know, again, Portland's a team that's all about the postseason. Denver cares about the regular season. At 3-1 to one compared to Utah, I thought that stood out to me as a worthy of a wager. And one more I want to talk about. Uh, let's go to the Southeast Division, where Miami's the clear favorite. Atlanta's right behind them. Then you have your Charlotte and Washington. Charlotte's ten to one. Washington's twelve to one. Orlando eighty to one. Charlotte at ten to one stands out to me. This was a team last year that showed all kinds of signs, and they had all kinds of injuries down the stretch that messed up the back half of their campaign. Again, Miami nothing to prove in the regular season. Atlanta nothing to prove in the regular season. That team made the conference finals this last year. Charlotte at ten to one. Again, they don't have to win this <laughs> if they're in contention to win it at 10 to 1 you're looking at a positive expectation wager and when you put these three bets together charlotte at 10 to 1 boston at 12 to 1 denver at 3 to 1 the nuggets get there we broke even if one of the two long shots get there we'll make money again these are just off the opener i'm not going nuts on this stuff but the fact that the nba betting season becoming a little bit more like the nfl's that's a good thing for us. Cover it continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. our program and go to Twitter and follow us at SportsGrid and SportsGrid TV. Stay informed all day long. You see clips, breaking news, updates, and pretty much everything else. Again, on Twitter, at SportsGrid and at SportsGrid TV. You can follow me on Twitter, at Teddy underscore covers. And you can follow our guest today, Matt Josephs, at MidMajorMatt on Twitter. Mr. Josephs, welcome to the program today. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Teddy. How are you? Well, you know, it's the time of year where sleep becomes limited. Uh, you know, in the last couple of weeks for the season, for me at least, I get a little bit manic. 
no question. You know, this is the time of year where you're, I expect to be working 14, 16 hours a day. It's just the way it is. So the energy level's there. Uh, but I can't wait for the real games to start. Of course, we have four week zero games in college football uh, this week. We'll talk about them. We'll touch on them briefly. I, I mean, they've been, we've been talking about these same four games for months. So I don't want to talk about them uh, too much. But the bottom line is it's four games featuring eight teams that, quite frankly, Matt, we're not going to talk about these teams again this year. All right, not a one of them is going to be on anybody's radar after this week one. So uh, we'll give the teams a spotlight that they don't, four, uh, eight irrelevant teams a little bit of spotlight that they don't deserve. But before we get into that, Matt, and you're someone that's had great success in college football. You're someone whose opinion in college football I am interested in, and I certainly can't say that uh, for a lot of people. When it comes to college football betting strategies, what are you looking for week by week? What do you do? How do we, if you're, for a beginning better out there who's just starting to bet college football, and I moved to Vegas, I was a very experienced NFL better. College football, there was a lot to learn, I'll just say that. And I think for many betters, NFL, they're used to it. College, not so much necessarily. Talk about some of the strategies you use. We're making college football wagers on a week-by-week basis. And I know that's a broad question, but, yeah, you're a broad guy. You can answer it. Well, I'll say this. I mean, what I've learned to do is try and reduce the amount of variables involved in some of my wagers. And what that means is opening my eyes up more to just, besides the totals and the sides, I mean, I like to look at team totals. My first play and maybe my only play in week zero is potentially a team total. And it basically says to me, look, I don't need both teams to do scoring. I don't need both teams to be terrible. I just need one team to be terrible. And so (laughs) over the past couple of seasons, I look at the team totals. I look at first quarters. I look at first halves. Last year, Louisiana Monroe had the worst first quarter defense in the league. And regularly, they gave up 17, 20 points in the first quarter because their defense was just that bad. And so when you start looking at trends like that, you can make money and you can somewhat reduce your stress level so you don't have to worry about a whole four-quarter game. You can actually only worry about the first quarter and using your trends and your numbers. And then once that first quarter's over, you're done with the game. You can move on to something else or you can watch something else on what usually is a busy Saturday. Yeah, and I have no problem with that concept. I like getting my wager in, get my wager out, and move on <laughs> to the next game. So the concept of uh, the profitable strategies for first quarters and first halves certainly make sense to me. And the team totals are another one that there are many betters out there, myself included probably, who don't take advantage of team totals as much as they should. Team totals allow you to bet on or against a team without worrying about what the other team's going to do. And that uh, certainly, uh, to me, there's something worthy of that. Now, let me ask you this. From a week-by-week standpoint, we talk about some of the things that you look for. Has your overall strategy changed dealing with the COVID issues over the last two years? Because I'm telling you, uh, Matt, we're going to have COVID issues this year. I don't know if it'll be as much as last year where, you know, every week there were multiple games canceled. But I'm pretty confident that we haven't seen the last of COVID and its, uh, and its effect on college football yet. So, uh, has your strategy changed at all? And if so, what are you doing differently now compared to two or three years ago? 
Yeah, let me let me take you back to August 29, 2020 last year, which was the very first college football game of the season. I'm a fresh guy that's looking at it's the FCS game between Austin P and Central Arkansas, and I'm a guy who likes to bet on the FCS, likes to bet on the FCS FBS games. Did a lot of my research. Uh, went down on Austin P. Was really excited the number I got. And then, of course, the day of the game, I learned that Austin P's wide receiver, a couple of their tight ends, and the long snapper are all out due to COVID. They still nearly cover and still nearly win, but don't do it. And I lose the bet, and I run to myself. I'm like, look, I'm not going to let this happen again. So what I decided to do last year was just be very patient. I, of course, did my work, did my due diligence throughout the week, but I didn't fire away on anything until Friday night or Saturday mornings in some cases, waiting for the most amount of information, waiting for the most amount of things. I mean, I got bit when Clemson lost Trevor Lawrence, um, the one game in the middle of the season. So what I basically did was, look, I saw numbers that I was interested in, but I preached patience. And I said, look, I'm willing to leave a game off my card in the inference of getting more information as opposed to playing a good number and then getting screwed afterwards and trying to hedge out of it or just taking a loss on the weekend. So basically, to answer your question, patience is what I did. And I was willing to let numbers go and I was willing to let games go as well as getting as much information as possible and making sure that I do not get bit by Saturday morning news of, oh, so-and-so is out and so now your team is not as good and neither is your number. So uh, there's a game that stands out to me. I can't remember who Southern Miss was playing, but I had good info earlier in the week that there had been an outbreak at Southern Miss. So I was trying to do the other way around. Let's bet against this team that just had the COVID outbreak and a bunch of guys aren't playing. And then what happened? Uh, the backups came in and played well. They came in through the back door and car. You know, I was laying six and they only lost by four or something. It was one of those really frustrating games where your info was good and the way it played on the field was pretty good until the very end where it didn't work out that way. And that's why we never put all of our chips in one basket. Diversification is very real for sports bettors, just like it is for any other type of investors. And we talk about the most you're ever going to put on a game is at a, in a max spot, would be one maybe 1 20th of your bankroll. So even when you have the good info and you get a great number, um, before the info gets out there, <laughs> there are no locks in this world. Let me ask you this, Matt. What do you do differently now compared to, let's say, five years ago or ten years ago? How have the betting markets changed when it comes to college football? I would just think there's more information. Uh, I just think that there's more information. And look, while I don't let other handicappers affect my strategy so much, it is it doesn't bother me to read what other people think about games. Um, there are trends out there that I may miss that somebody else may have that I will certainly get involved with when it comes to these contests. So I would say it's just more information and opening my eyes up to more things and more angles. It certainly also helps that I am doing my own radio show here in Richmond and I'm able to talk to my own people. And I've got sources in certain teams in the state of Virginia that I trust. And if they tell me things, then I will certainly incorporate that into my handicapping. But I think it's just information. As more and more people get involved and as more and more beat reporters start embracing the gambling side of things, I think it's just having more and more information and being able to take on more things that you didn't be able to before. Sure, and you talk about you know following the beat writers and you know when just particularly we talk about college football, and particularly when we talk about non-power five conferences. One good beat writer is worth his weight in gold. All right, you get someone that's giving you that's actually watching practice and telling you what's going on behind the scenes at a program like that again. 
You're going to find these in smaller newspapers. All right. You know, you're not going to find this in the Washington Post or the LA Times. We're talking about smaller schools from smaller conferences. But one good beat writer giving you steady info is going to be extraordinarily helpful. Uh, Matt, we've got the break coming up here, so I don't want to get into the, some of the talks about uh, some of the lessons for beginning college football betters. I want to spend some time talking about futures uh, on today's show. Uh, some of the over-under win totals that you've mentioned, uh, that you've bet yourself. Some of the long-shot conference futures uh, that you bet yourself. But we'll have to do that after the break. Don't worry, it's a short commercial break, folks. Cover it with Teddy Covers. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on SiriusXM at Channel 204, the Sports Grid, the radio network. And, of course, we got extended time today with Matt Josephs at MidMajorMatt on Twitter. We're talking college football. And the first question I want to ask you here, Matt, real simple. All right, I know there are a lot of beginning betters for college football, and it's a very different thought process in college compared to the NFL. I play much more contrarian in the NFL, and I'm much more willing to lay points in college football uh, with the elite teams. Talk about beginning betters and some advice, maybe a couple of lessons we can give for beginning betters who are just sinking their teeth into college football for the first time this year. Again, with the gambling legal in so many new states, I know there's lots of folks out there that haven't been doing this for a decade or two or three like we have. What advice can we give them? Well, I think it, it make it more bite-sized. I mean, look, when and not, now this Saturday is not because we've talked about it, there's only four games, but you look at next Saturday and you see over 50 games and you see a, you know a bunch of games on Thursday and Friday and Saturday and so, you know, there's a lot of games and you you can get overwhelmed by the whole thing and certainly even, you know, veterans like me, you know, when the season starts out, you got to do extra research almost because you're looking at all the off-season stuff and you have very little to go off of like everybody else does. So, if you, in order to not get overwhelmed, I think you should make things very bite-sized for yourself and basically stick to your region or stick to a conference. You know, I'm a guy who's in Virginia, so therefore I'm going to do a lot of ACC wagers. I'm going to do a lot of CAA wagers if I'm betting on the FCS. Uh, and, and I may expand out a little bit more if we start covering other areas. If you live in the Dakotas, you want to go and look at Big Ten football. You want to look at the Missouri Valley football conference and things like that and really just get to know a certain area, mostly because it is your area. You know, when I lived in, in Philadelphia and Pennsylvania, everything changed. I knew a lot about Penn State and Pittsburgh and Temple and all that stuff. And so my range of, of interest was not very large. But it slowly expanded. So basically, if you want to just take one conference, know everything about that conference, coaches, styles, 
offenses, defenses, how fast they are, you know, who's transferring in, who used their super senior year and things like that. Do one conference and just look at those games. And then, you know, go a couple weeks where you're only doing that and then slowly expand out. Maybe add a couple teams. Maybe add, you know, one other thing to your repertoire. Don't go and try and bite the whole apple. Take some little nipples, nibbles and then just worry about the rest as you go along. Yeah, apples don't have nipples. Uh, but exactly. Take nibbles. Uh, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm trying to get a laugh. Because, uh, you know, I'll say this. That's exactly what I did. When I first moved to Vegas, I moved here, you know, from Michigan. I uh, went to the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. I was very familiar with the teams from the Big Ten. So I said, I know the Big Ten. And my first year out here, I'm like, I'm getting good info from the Pac-12, and I'm getting good info from the Mountain West Conference. And I was all I handicapped. Big Ten, Pac-12, Mountain West. And by the end of the year, I was comfortable in those three conferences. The next year, I picked up a couple more. And, you know, it doesn't take forever for you to get up to speed. But when you're first starting, focusing on one conference or two conferences, boy, that makes a whole lot of sense to this better. Any other advice uh, for beginning betters besides, um, you know, don't try to bite the whole apple. Uh, don't try to eat the whole apple. Just take a bite out of it. Uh, anything else you would want to uh, tell our audience? Well, I would also say, look, you should also, I mean, if you want to stick to TV games, obviously there's a lot more, you know, when you're watching a TV game and you start wagering on games that you actually watch on TV, you notice more. And also, if you want to start watching some of these games and looking for live wagering, let's say you have an idea going into the game of what you would have wagered, but you don't necessarily love the line or you don't necessarily love the total or you're just really close, but you couldn't quite fire on something. Watch the game, get a feel of how it's going, and don't be afraid to live bet situations. I, I think that that's a great way to get potentially the number you were looking for pregame in-game when you already have some information. So I would definitely say on your Saturdays, if there's a game that you're really interested in, you did your handicapping, you said, all right, this is what I'm looking for, this is what I hope happens, and then if it actually happens, you go and you live bet the game with all the information because you've already watched the contest as it's going along. And that's one of my favorite scenarios, all right? Let's say there was a game I liked and the number got away from me early in the week. You know, I'm all right, well, you know, I was going to lay seven, but I'm not going to lay eight. Uh, I missed this one, and you kind of chalk it up and say, all right, bummer. Uh, I wish I'd have bet that earlier. And then the game starts, and the other team scores the first touchdown. And now instead of laying seven <laughs> or eight, uh, you know, you're laying much less. Uh, those are games that I like a lot when it comes to live betting. If you miss the number during the week, you can often get it back in game. All right, these four games, and the way I describe them, it's eight irrelevant teams <laughs> in week zero. Uh, and these four games have been beaten to death. I want to touch on them real quick because I know there are some out there who are still looking for opinions who are going to bet them today. So let's run through it real quick. We'll go, as always on this show, we'll go in rotation order. <laughs> from the top of the betting board to the bottom. Uh, let's talk about Nebraska and Illinois right now. The Huskers are a seven-point favorite. We've seen some under money come in on this one. Total in the 54 range. Again, quick hitter stuff, uh, Matt. You don't have to, uh, to reinvent the wheel here. 
Well, I'll say this. I almost wish I would have liked to have bet Illinois more if it was in Nebraska because this is a season for Scott Frost that his seat couldn't be any hotter. And it's almost like if Illinois scores an early touchdown in Nebraska, then things start tightening up a little bit. I don't know what kind of home field advantage Illinois is going to have. It's not exactly a traditional college football program. Um, I didn't play this game. I would lean to the home underdog only because of the pressure. I feel like Adrian Martinez has been in college football for like 15 years. Um, And Illinois has got nothing to lose in this game. Nobody thinks they're going to win. They've got a new head coach. Nobody knows what their system's going to be like because they kept everything even hush-hush from the media. So there's a lot of question marks surrounding what kind of team we're going to get in Illinois. And Nebraska's got a ton of pressure, and I'm just not a believer in Adrian Martinez. Lean to Illinois at home, but once again, I did not play that. Sure, and I didn't play it either. I will say this. I haven't met anybody that's laying points on the road with the favorite. And when you get a public underdog, you know, there's some things that work long-term. Public betting... Not betting on public underdogs is one of them. Um, not a game I'm going to get involved with. Last week on the show, I talked about how I liked UCLA minus the 17 against Hawaii. The 17s got bet up to 18, and now they're back to 17 and a half, and there's some 17s popping up again. At any take on the Bruins and the Warriors. I don't love Chip Kelly's team, but I think they'll match up pretty well against a Hawaii squad that is not built to handle UCLA's speed at the skill position. At the skill position. Well, I'm a huge Hawaii guy this year. I've got them they over on their win total. Uh, I'm certain we'll talk about because it it's one of my favorite win totals. Um, Hawaii's got a small but fast defense, which doesn't, as you say, necessarily translate well in P5 games. They're more translate well in Mountain West games. It's just a, it's a big number here. And you've got a UCLA team that's that got LSU next week. And so you're wondering if they start getting ahead, do they take their foot off the pedal a little bit? Do they start running the ball? Does that mean Hawaii gets to stay in this game a little bit more? I lean to Hawaii in this situation because I do like their offense. Year two in the Graham offensive system and actually having a normal offseason means they can go through everything. I really like Siobhan Cordero. I like um, Turner uh, and Smart. They've got some good offensive weapons. And the back door may be open with that big game for UCLA next week, but I just couldn't quite bring myself to, to play it. UCLA's just got the athletes that should be able to do whatever they want in this game. Yeah, that was my uh, thought as well, and I'm not convinced Hawaii's going to get, you know, I mean, for, for Hawaii, if you're going to feel comfortable about taking Hawaii plus the points, you better be pretty confident that they're going to get the I'm not confident Hawaii's going to put up those numbers against Chip Kelly's defense. Now, these are two teams I'm confident that we will not talk about again in 2021. The better of the two might win two games. UTEP and New Mexico State uh, on TV, and it's opening week. Uh, let's talk about the Miners and the Aggies. Uh, UTEP, a 10-point road favorite, total of 59 in this rivalry series. I don't think the people know that, uh, necessarily that El Paso and Las Cruces aren't all that far apart. And these two teams have a long and storied rivalry. Talk to me uh, about the Miners and the Aggies. Yeah, see, this is this is right up my alley. I, I, I'm interested in this game. Now, look, I'm never going to lay 10 points on the road with a team like UTEP because they probably are the better team here. But, it, you know, laying 10 points with a team that's rarely a 10-point favorite is not exactly a recipe for success. Now, the interesting thing to watch here is New Mexico State played two games during the FCS season. They lost one, they won one, and they basically treated the two games as scrimmages. They got a lot of people some time out there. 
They tried a couple of different quarterbacks. So I would like to see if it maybe playing those games and getting that kind of lather up will help them at all. I don't think it necessarily will. Um, UTEP should win this game. There's a ton of revenge here. UTEP's lost the last couple to New Mexico State. So if they get a lead and they get the opportunity, they may put the pedal on and not slow up. So that's the only reason why if you are looking to lay this kind of money, they are looking for revenge. But I'm not touching this one, that's for sure. Yeah, we got just uh, under a minute before the break. Give me a quick hitter on UConn and Fresno. Fresno, a 27.5-point favorite total of 63. Fresno State's got a great offense. UConn hasn't played football in almost two years, and even then they weren't very good. Fresno State should be able to name their own score, but once again, they've got a big game next week, so maybe they tail off late. Yeah, and Fresno certainly not the type of team, you know, from a fundamental standpoint, Fresno could win this game 63 to nothing, and it wouldn't shock me at all. I mean, it really wouldn't. But you can go back and look at the recent history of Fresno State football. You're not going to see a whole lot of four-touchdown wins. You're not going to see basically any point spread covers in this range. I want to see him do it before, you know, there's sometimes you want to be proactive. There's sometimes you want to be reactive. Fresno State is a four-touchdown favorite. I need to be reactive. I need to see them do it before I get involved. We've saved the best for last with Mid-Major Matt. We're going to talk win totals and long-shot conference futures. Matt's about to make some real money. Stay tuned through the break. Cover it with Teddy Covers continues right here on Sirius XM, Channel 204, the Sports Grid Radio Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Extended time with Matt Josephs today at Mid Major Matt uh, on Twitter. We're talking college football, and Matt, I want to talk to you now about the futures marketplace. And really, when it comes to college football futures, I'm not talking about odds to win the national title. One team's going to win the national title, and every other team isn't. I like over unders <laughs> uh, when it comes to win totals, and perhaps I'm looking for long shots. I'll take a look at odds to win a conference or a division. I'm not looking for odds to win the whole thing because who's going to win the whole thing? Alabama or Clemson or Georgia or Ohio State. Long shots just aren't live when it comes to that part of the college football futures marketplace. But talk to me about your methodology for college football futures. In particular, talk to me about shopping around and having multiple accounts. Well, I mean, that's one of the things you've certainly drilled into everybody, and you drilled it to me when I when I joined the uh, the, the family of uh, handicappers. Is that you should have multiple options, and there is a good reason, especially when you look at college football futures, because there are some win total differences. Case in point, I got Nebraska at six and a half in one book; it was six and five and a half in other books. 
Um, there is major juice differences because depending upon who the customers and the clientele are, you may get something at plus 120 that it might be minus 120 in another book. So um, it is very important to have a bunch of different options and having money in different accounts. And by also having money in different accounts, you spread out a little bit of your liability. Let's say for some reason one book you unfortunately picked two losers but another book, you've got two winners. It would not be as bad as if you had one book and had all the same action. Now you've got at least a couple of different books to take a look at it. Um, when it comes to strategies, basically I do what a lot of people do before the NFL season begins. You do a lot of reading. You see what the continuity is like. You see what the optimism is like. And you look at scheduling spots. Um, however, how many home games in a row are there? How many road games? What's the toughest road game they have? Are there any look-ahead situations for opponents? that would, would certainly help your win total or there situations that may hurt your total. Is there a game against a bad team that's in between two games against good teams that you have to certainly consider? When I place a win total bet, for the most part, I'm looking for a one to one and a half difference in a win. So like if I would see a six, ideally I'd like to take seven and a half or four and a half as my wins. So that's kind of some of the things I look at when it comes to the win totals is the schedule, who's back, and what some of the situations are involving those teams. And you made a great point there, man. I want to highlight that for a minute because I haven't heard anyone bring this up yet. And in my mind, it's key and it's crucial. Everyone handicaps schedule and say, well, they got this team and they got that, that team and this is a win and that's a loss and that's a loss. And nobody ever looks at the other team's schedule and say, hey, this is a flat spot for that team or this is a circle the wagon spot for that team. So when you talk about handicapping the spot for a team that you're looking to bet over or under and their opponent, is it a good spot or a bad spot for their opponent in any, any given week? Yeah, it takes a little bit of extra time, but it, I would imagine <laughs> it pays great dividends. Let's talk about three teams that you've made some over-under win total wagers on. And let's start with Nebraska. You mentioned them a moment ago. You got under six and a half, the broader market. As a Huskers line, probably as a six-win team. Yeah, and it's it's just it's mostly about the pressure that uh, Scott Frost is under, and I'm just not a believer in their quarterback. And I think their schedule represents a couple of spots here and there where they could struggle. Look, if they lose to Illinois, then everything, then all bets are off, and this team's going to spiral automatically after Week Zero. Heck, it's Week Zero. We haven't even gotten to Week One, and if they lose to Illinois, people are already <laughs> going to be jumping off the bandwagon. And you look, so they play Buffalo. Okay, they're probably going to beat Buffalo, but it's still going to be a tough game. It's going to be one of those uneasy games. Let's say Buffalo goes up 7 nothing at Nebraska. There's going to be some uneasiness. They've got Oklahoma. They've got Michigan State on the road. Um, and then they're going to get a bunch of wins early, but late. Ohio State at home, Southeast Louisiana, of course, will be a win. Then at Wisconsin, home Iowa. That's their November. So they may gather some strat some time early and gather some victories, but their November is ridiculous. And as you said, the important thing was I got six and a half, which means the six wins that I predicted would be a victory for me, whereas in other books that would either be a push or if there was the five and a half, that would be a loss. And that's why I like Nebraska more for the number that I got than the actual team itself. Well, let's talk about a team then as opposed to the number. Georgia Tech, uh, are you looking at under for the Yellow Jacks? This is a team that has flashed signs of having some elite talent, but it certainly hasn't been an easy transition for the Yellow Jackets in recent seasons. Talk to me about why you, why you like them under. Well, so let's see. So it's a 12-game schedule. Let me give you five of their games. At Clemson, North Carolina, at Miami, at Notre Dame, Georgia. They're not winning any of those. Throw all those out to their 0-5 in those games. 
Then we'll give them the first two games they'll get victories, Northern Illinois and Kennesaw State. So there's two games that they're going to win. There's five that they're going to probably lose, which leaves five toss-ups here. And I think they could struggle with a bunch of those. Pittsburgh at home, I'm very high on the, on the Panthers. At Duke will not be easy. At Virginia certainly will not be easy. Virginia Tech at home, uh, those two teams have had some battles in the past. And then Boston College at home, there's a lot of people, including me, who are high on BC with the quarterback back and the wide receiver back. And, you know, they like that team and the toughness that Jeff Hathley has done. So this schedule just doesn't do any favors for Georgia Tech. I know Jeff Sims had a decent season last year. He's got another year in this system under his belt, but there's just not very much to like here against Georgia Tech, and you already throw five games out that you're pretty sure they're going to lose, and so I just need them to win four or five of the other games. I don't think they're going to do it. I think it could be another rough year for the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. So Matt Wells is now in his third year uh, for the Texas Tech Red Raiders, and let's be honest, the first two years haven't been very good. Back-to-back four-win seasons. The last two-game winning streak that the Red Raiders had came in the very first two games of the Matt Wells era when they were facing Montana State and UTEP. It's been rough for the Red Raiders of late. This year might be different, though. Talk to me about Texas Tech. Well, so, and here's the key for here. I got in early on Texas Tech, got them at four and a half. It's five and a half now. And you always feel good about when you get early, early numbers and you beat the move, especially on a win total, because a lot of these win totals don't move that much, but to beat it by a win. And I look at their schedule already. So I'm sitting here with four and a half. Stephen F. Austin and FIU at home, those are victories. They get the free space against Kansas. Granted, it is on the road. That is a bit of a concern, but Kansas is terrible. So there's three wins right there. They also get uh, TCU at home, Kansas State at home. Um, those are They could potentially steal one of those games. And one of those situations, Teddy, we just talked about, they get Iowa State at home November 13th. It's coming off a bye week for Texas Tech, so they get extra time to prepare. Iowa State has at uh, a home game against Texas before the game against uh, Texas Tech and the road game against Oklahoma, which will essentially be their Super Bowl the week after. What is their motivation going to be going into Lubbock? And presumably Lubbock will be rocking. It could be a night game, and we've seen some great night games in Texas Tech. I think there's a great chance that the Red Raiders get Iowa State in that game. And if they don't, I think they can get Oklahoma State the next week. So I feel very comfortable with this four and a half. I think this is potentially a six or seven win team. Sonny Cumbie is the new offensive coordinator. He's going to try and bring back what they used to be. Tyler Shaw, the Oregon transfer, they've got plenty of talent on offense. The defense is a little bit suspect, but that's the Big 12. Everybody's defense is suspect for the most part. I feel really confident about Texas Tech being one of those teams that comes up from the bottom and moves to the middle. They're not going to go. They're not going to make it to the championship game or anything like that, but they're going to move themselves up a tier and get themselves six or seven wins this season. And when you have over and a half, uh, over four and a half wins, A six-win season looks gorgeous on paper. So, again, just to review, Matt says, look at Georgia Tech under, Nebraska under, and Texas Tech over from the major Power Five conferences. Let's talk about some long shot uh, conference futures uh, real quick. And I know we're running a little bit short on time. But while I got you, I'm going to ask you, you mentioned Hawaii as a team you liked a little bit. Talk about Hawaii to win the Western Division of the Mountain West Conference. 
Yeah, and this is one of those things where you can get the bet to just win the division. Now, look, I don't think they're going to win the, the Mount West. I think that's probably going to be Boise State. But Hawaii just has a very nice schedule. And as we talk about, so much continuity on both offense and defense. And their defense doesn't match up against Power 5 schools, but it matches up against the Mountain West. They get Fresno State at home. They get a bye week to prepare for Nevada. Granted, it's a road game, but with the bye week, they can travel whenever they want. San Diego State is at home. They miss out on Boise State. I think Hawaii has a schedule here where they can win nine or 10 games. And I'm not saying, look, when I get a price of like 11 to one to win a division, you would expect that there's an overwhelming leader in this division. I don't think so. I think Nevada, San Jose state, Fresno state and Hawaii are kind of all bunched up a little bit. So why not take a shot at like 11 to one to win the division with a team that I think is going to be very good in the mountain West. And the goal is to have a team that's when you, whenever you talk about double digits to one, all right, 10 to one, 15 to one, hundred to one, whatever it is, you want your team to be live going into November in college football. Matt Joseph saying Hawaii has the potential to be a very live team. Let's talk one more a long shot conference futures. Um, you tell me. You want to go to Conference USA, to the AAC, to the MAC? Uh, pick your poison here. Well, let's go to the Conference USA because I really – so for people who follow me on Twitter, last year my favorite football team in America was Houston Baptist. They were an FCS school. They basically ran an air raid system where they went five wide receivers every game, and they kept up with Texas Tech. They kept up with North Texas. Now, granted, they didn't win these games, but they had a highly potent offense. Well, Western Kentucky, what they did was they took the quarterback, they took the top three wide receivers, and they took the offensive coordinator, and they brought him into their system. And not only that, Western Kentucky also got Zach Lefever, one of the best tight ends in the MAC from Buffalo, and Adam Cofield, the running back from North Dakota State. I really like Western Kentucky's win total over, and I think that they have a shot in the Conference USA. They also have one of the best defensive linemen in football that nobody knows about, D'Angelo Malone. They've got a very manageable schedule. They miss out against some of the top teams in Conference USA. And once again, they just have to get to the Conference USA championship game and in theory, if you wanted to hedge, you could certainly hedge and try and take the opponent. That way you make some sort of money. But I think Western Kentucky is going to make the Conference USA championship game, and I think they have a very good shot to win it. So make sure to shop around and find a very good price on the Hilltoppers to potentially win the Conference USA. And if memory serves correctly, this team uh, under Tyson Helton last year, they cashed a whole bunch of under tickets, much better defensively than they were offensively. If they have an offense this time around, the Hilltoppers may be live to do some damage. Matt Josephs, great stuff, dude. I really appreciate your time and effort today. Uh, promote yourself. Tell me about uh, the website, your Twitter, uh, whatever you got here. Here's your minute. Enjoy. <laughs> Make sure to follow me on Twitter, at MidMajorMatt. Whenever you guys have questions, I'm certainly willing to answer them. We all have the same goal. We're all trying to beat the books. You can find my stuff on SportsMemo.com. Uh, doing a lot of K-props in baseball and things like that. Doing some stuff in college football. And, of course, the NFL props. I'm a uh, guy who likes to dabble in the props a lot more than the size and total. So, certainly a lot of different angles to consider. DFS stuff, fantasy football, all that stuff. You can find me at MidMajorMatt on Twitter. Great stuff, Matt. And we still got... Uh, just about a minute left. How about one early thought on a week one game? Just uh, just throw something out there. Well, I'm very interested to see Army and Georgia State. Uh, Georgia State's one of the teams in the Sun Belt I really like. Their offense is 
very flashy. They've got a lot of guys back. They've got a decent defense. And when do you want to play a triple option team when you have the most time to prepare? Army's got some pieces that they're trying to replace. Um, granted, they have the quarterback back, but their offensive line, they've got a lot of new guys to break in on the offensive line, so the triple option may not work very much. In Atlanta, I'll be very interested to see what happens with this number. Georgia State at home, I think, can beat Army because of the fact that they're going to have the most time to prepare for a triple option attack. Makes a ton of sense. You like to bet against those triple option teams in bowl games and in games like this one. At Mid-Major Matt on Twitter. Matt, Joseph, thank you so much for taking part on today's show. Really appreciate your time and effort, buddy. We'll talk to you again before this season is through. Coverage continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Stretch of cover it with Teddy Covers on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Radio Network. If you missed any part of today's show, we do replay it uh, on air later in the day. Of course, you can find the podcast version as well wherever you find your podcast. on all the major podcast outlets. I'm going to close out today's show. And again, I want to thank Mid-Major Matt. That was strong, strong info that he brought uh, for today's show. But I'm going to close out with an opinion, with a bettable opinion for Week zero in college football. And again, last week I talked a little bit about how I like the UCLA minus the points. These are not big bets. <laughs> right? UTEP and New Mexico State, they're getting attention on a full college football Saturday. We'd ignore this game completely on a normal college football Saturday. Instead, this Saturday, we're going to watch it on TV. And what are we going to do? Well, we're going to look at the under in this ball game. New Mexico State does not have a dynamic offense by any stretch of the imagination. UTIP does not have a dynamic offense. <laughs> and again, whenever I'm betting overs, I always want the quick strike touchdowns. I want playmakers. I want guys that can turn the corner and take it to the house. I want a defense that can score. <coughs> Excuse me. I want special teams that can score. These teams have none of that. <laughs> There's no defensive playmakers. You're going to take one to the house. There's no special teams going to take it to the house. And what do we expect to see? I expect to see a lot of New Mexico State punts. And I expect to see UTEP run the football. Right between the tackles, all game long. Maybe wear them down in the second half and start to put up points in bunches. But I don't see it. I'll tell you what. This has all the makings of an under game. Miners offense hasn't reached 20 points a game three and four years under Dana Dimmel. And even if they're better this year, it's still a run-based approach. Expect a low-scoring affair on Saturday. Look for UTEP and New Mexico State to stay under the total. That's going to wrap it for this week's Cover It with Teddy Covers. Please tune in again next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. We'll do it again. Between now and then, enjoy the games and good luck. Cheers. Sometimes you want. 